Welcome to the annual question period great political quiz show. I hope you all had a safe and warm Christmas. Yes, it's a COVID Christmas year, a pandemic holiday season, we all know. Maybe you missed being with your whole family, gathering to laugh, to drink, to, I don't know, have a few arguments. I know we all missed it here, but don't worry. Arguing, laughing, and possibly drinking is exactly what the great political quiz show is all about. That's right, the best political minds on Parliament Hill gather to fight it out in order to win this, the coveted question period trophy, which I should say has no monetary value at all, but has infinite bragging rights. So let me introduce the Gabarus Gladiators. Back this year, of course, is the former multiple quiz champion, the parliamentary pulverizer, the super soldier of the scrums, the hero of the hill, the sensation from the star, Tonda from the rock, McCharles. <laughs> also joining us, the fastest political moves on the hill, known as Mulsanity for her political dunking, the male woman who always delivers the story, the answer who investigates, recently traded to the W5 team in Toronto, the CTV scintillator <laughs> magic, Molly Thomas. <laughs> Hey. Also from CTV, <laughs> recently decamped, now the wizard in Washington, temporarily, also known as the Dame of DC, wow, that was quick, the blade of bicameral battles, the whip of wit, the Oliver with a political twist, Annie, the eye kick, royal ascent, Oliver! <laughs> what, up? what up? And finally, the defending <laughs> champion is back. The Canadian press power player, the withering wit of the Westminster system, the princess of parliamentary punditry, the terror of trivia, the proroger of policy, Stephanie the Leviathan Levitz. Wow. That's all the Bring time we have. On. Guys, that's it. That's it. We yeah, that's go. it. We're done. Great. We're done. All right. Now. Before we get to the game rules, that's, that's my favorite part of the whole show. Uh, let's take a look back at this admittedly horrible year that we're all ready to put behind us just to oil up your brains and our contestants' brains. Check this out. The evidence indicates that the plane was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. There's been no evidence uh, to date are uh, that this uh, illness, whatever it's caused by, is spread easily from person to person. I think it is very important uh, to remind Canadians that the risk remains low for infection. What do we do when Indigenous lands are under attack? Stand up, stand up. We need to go over there. These are train tracks. We have, we have our Trains are supposed to we go through here. Rights. We can anticipate that there will be uh, an outbreak in one of our Canadian communities. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Because most Canadians don't have immunity to the virus, this surge could overwhelm our health system capacity. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit will provide $2,000 a month. We were in the process of preparing an alert when the gunman was shot and killed by the RCMP. You wake up every morning hoping you're going to wake up from a nightmare. Those guns have no place in Canada. They're designed for only one purpose, to kill people. Systemic racism is an issue right across the country, in all our institutions, including in all our police forces, including in the RCMP. I think 
it's not completely systemic. Hello, this scandal is about him and him alone. I made a mistake in not recusing myself. I'll be stepping down as finance minister. We know that this wave will be more complicated, more complex. It'll be worse than the first wave we faced earlier this year. I'm Aaron O'Toole. This is a moment that demands daring, courageous leadership. At last, we have a reason to feel optimistic and excited about returning to the lives we led pre-COVID. All right, so what a year. I actually hate even to look back at that, but let's see what stuck out. You all know the rules. Five rounds, lots of questions. Bonus questions are featured, followed by theme discussions. You each have a bell. You can test it out right now. You can test it. There we go, okay. Don't ring it until the full question is read. <coughs> Tonda McCharles. There are ties. <coughs> if you miss an answer, or you get the question wrong, someone else can steal the point by ringing the bell. Half points are welcome. I can do things at my discretion, by the way, that will probably make no sense. It's a rule we've long stolen from the Prime Minister's <laughs> office of every government. Okay, so, so let's get going. The category we begin with is the pandemic, and here we go. Which famous Canadian was diagnosed with COVID-19 in early March? Oh. Steph. Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. Which British actor who came into contact with Sophie Gregoire Trudeau prior to her COVID-19 diagnosis also tested positive? Annie. Elvis Alba. Yeah, Idris Alba. We'll give it to you. Which two... No, come on. No, we got Idris Alba. <laughs> Which two federal party leaders were diagnosed with COVID-19? Again, what, was that Annie? Okay, Annie. Aaron O'Toole and Yves Blanchet. Blanchet. Tonda, are you one of the and the conservative leader? Tonda's already uh, <laughs> filing a complaint here. Don't worry, we'll get to you. I <laughs> am. Canada's That's first presumptive case of COVID was a man in his 50s. He traveled from Wuhan, China. In what month was this case detected and where? Tonda. Uh, in February. Uh, and he arrived in BC. No. Anyone want to steal? Ontario, Ontario. Okay, uh, it was Andy Bergeron Oliver. I'm just saying, wasn't it, wasn't it January? And I thought it was Ontario. Yes, January, Toronto. That's right. Okay, Andy gets another point. Wow. Okay, finally, when and where did Canada first record its first COVID-19 death? Molly. I think I Say BC. It was BC for a second point. You that know, long-term care home? Yeah, long-term care home. The, we'll give it to you, the Lynn Valley Care Home in North Vancouver. Mm. What were the three Canadian airports cleared to allow international arrivals? Molly. Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Yes. What was the name of the cruise ship which spent 27 days docked in Yokohama, Japan after a massive uh, COVID-19 outbreak? Annie, you rang early, but I'm going to give Steph a chance there because you <laughs> rang too oh. early. Steph. <laughs> the Diamond Princess. Yes. Where did the Canadian passengers from the Diamond Princess quarantine when they arrived back in Canada? Molly. Trenton? No. Oh. Annie. Cornwall. Yes, the NAV Center in Cornwall. But where did the Canadians evacuated from Wuhan, China quarantine when they arrived back in Canada? Molly. 
Is that Trenton? Yes. You just keep saying Trenton, you'll Trenton's get it. Trenton's in my mind. When did Canada <laughs> shut down its border internationally? Molly. March 18th. March, yes, March, that's right. Which country was the first to impose a nationwide COVID-19 lockdown? What country? Annie. China. No. Oh. Steph. Taiwan. No. Anyone? Throw it out there. South Korea. Tonda, Tonda. It was, it was UK, it was UK nationwide. Apparently it was Italy. Italy. Oh. I know, that was a shocker. At the beginning of the pandemic, before knowledge of COVID was widely spread, was widely accepted, Dr. Teresa Tam said there was no need for healthy people to do what in public? Molly. Wear a mask? Yes. Of course, as the science evolved, that view changed. Which province was the first to require people to wear masks in indoor public spaces? Mm. Molly. Ontario. No. Steph. Oh, British Columbia. No, it was Quebec. Okay, last question. Oh, the federal government came under fire for its cancelling of Canada's pandemic early warning system. What was the name of that early warning system? Tonda. The Global Public Health Information Network. Yeah, intel we'll give it to you. Intelligence, intelligence Network. Network. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's, that's, that's actually absolutely right. Uh, all right, we're, we are going to uh, move into our first discussion. The pandemic was the story of the year, maybe the story of the generation for political leaders, for, for provincial leaders, even for municipal leaders. How they handle it could well determine their political future. But let, let's start with the federal government, the prime minister. The next election could be a referendum on how he handled the pandemic and the government. Steph, uh, how has he done? How do you calibrate his response? Let's, let's just, if we can, take a look back to the pre-pandemic times, not that any of us can really remember them. But if we think about the early part of 2020 and we think about how the prime minister was deciding to present himself to the world that year. Do you remember he grew a beard? Do we remember that he was signaling at the time that he wanted to take a step back, let other folks in cabinet sort of take the lead a little bit? And that was coming off the realization again and again that Justin Trudeau is both the best and worst asset for the Liberal Party. And he was going to take a bit more of a back seat. Flash forward to the middle of March, and all of a sudden we are seeing Justin Trudeau every single day for weeks on end in front of Rideau Cottage. And even before that, of course, we had the tragic Iranian plane disaster. So Justin Trudeau found himself in a forward-facing position that he was not planning for this year, nor was anybody. And it was a lot of, you know, to borrow the expression the federal government used a lot of, it was building a plane while it was flying. And there were a lot of hits and misses. And you can perhaps forgive some of the misses because they had no idea what they were dealing yeah. with. But at the same time, they are the federal government, and it took them a long time to get up to speed on certain points. Tonda, how would you calibrate their pandemic response? Look, I think they had uh, a lot of rough patches at the outset. Um, the lack of PPE, the um, uh, decision to allow the national emergency stockpile to dwindle, to give away PPE that was on the verge or just at expiry points. Um, the failure to have kept alive that, that information network that we just referred to, which was an early warning system for viral outbreaks in the world. Uh, Canada was renowned for that. That thing withered away on the vine under the Trudeau government. Um, they also, I think, struggled at the outset to figure out economically their response. And so we saw them stumble around on the wage subsidy, which went from 10% eventually under both Liberal Caucus 
caucus and opposition pressure to 75%. So they had a lot of rough patches at the first few months, but what they did right is they went all in, uh, you know, uh, go big or go home. They went yeah. big. And so I think that they will in the end, we certainly have seen that in, in public polls, that they've gotten some, uh, I think, support as a result because they did what they said they would do, which was everything to help Canadians get through it. Yeah, I think in the pandemic, Annie, it's probably go big and stay home because that was their message. How would you calibrate yeah. the response? Well, I think Tonda was right at the beginning. Obviously, it was a struggle, but it wasn't just Canada that was struggling. It was countries all around the world dealing with a situation that was completely unprecedented. There were issues with the wage subsidy. The rent subsidy as well was not um, used as much as they had anticipated. There were some other similar programs as well that really struggled to get off the ground. There were some people now even looking at the mask and looking at border closures, which Initially, the government said this wouldn't help, it could actually make the pandemic worse. Um, and then we ended up doing that not too long after. But they seem to have gotten their groove as this went along. But I really think that what the big focus is going to be moving forward is the vaccines. You know, we uh, at one point thought that Canada would be very far behind the list. It turns out we actually approved it much right. faster than here in the United States. And I think how the vaccine is rolled out, how quickly people are able to get it in comparison to the other countries, and how safe the vaccines end up being will really play into the election as well as the budget and, and their spending measures and how they're able to help keep the economy going and businesses open. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. All, all right, so let me give you the scores and, and we'll move on to the economy. Uh, after the first round, in fourth place is Tonda McCharles with one. Lots of time left. Steph Levitz, two points. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, four. And Molly Thomas, five. All right. Okay, so that's just round one. I'm lots of for you, Molly. lots of time left. Lots of time left. Um, okay, when we come it. back, we will focus on the economy. <laughs> Millions of Canadians, as we just talked about, got much-needed support in the pandemic. The deficit, though, is at record highs. Is this a danger in the coming years? Coming up, round two of the Great Canadian Political Quiz on Question Period. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Question Period Great Canadian Political Quiz Program. We put the quickest wits and the quickest minds on Parliament Hill to a test of knowledge, policy, and pointless trivialities. Our contestants, Tonda McCharles from the Toronto Star, Molly Thomas from CTV's W5, Andy Bergeron-Oliver from CTV, based in Washington for a few months now, and the defending champion, the Canadian press's Stephanie Levitz. All right, here we go for round two. This one, contestants, is the economy. Here we go. The federal government's CERB payments gave struggling Canadians up to how much per month? Molly. 2000 Yes. What was the name of the deal agreed to in the summer that saw the federal government provide $19 billion to the provinces to fund things like PPE procurement and childcare? I'm going to say Todd because... Yeah, the question. Yes, Tonda. Annie, re Safe restart agreement. you are getting, I'm going to give this to Tonda because Annie gave a early ring. I'm penalizing you, Bergeron Oliver. Tonda. Take a point. Take a point away. Safe Take restart away. agreement. The safe no, restart. We're not away. taking points away. This year's been crappy enough, Molly. You know, no one's losing points. She has to points. pay back the point. Right. She has to pay back the point. It was badly applied for. Oh, my gosh. This is going to turn into, like, the American election in a minute. Okay. After, after... <laughs> After facing pressure from opposition parties, the federal government increased the wage subsidy for small and medium-sized businesses from 10% to what? Stephanie Levitt. 
75%. Yes. When the finance Come minister, Christia Freeland, unveiled her fiscal update in November, what was the projected deficit in the best case scenario? Stephanie Levitt. $381 billion. Yes. The $100 billion in relief spending was part of the fiscal update, was called Canada's largest economic relief package since when? Molly. The 1930s? No. Tonda. Second World Federation? War. Tonda, Second World Second War. Second World War. Yes. I feel like we're penalizing Andy now. Ahead of the fiscal update, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole said Canada would not see economic stability until there were two things. What were they? This is tough. Anyone? A vaccine? Yes. And one? Yes. Vaccine, Andy? And... And uh, reopen borders? Jobs? <laughs> no. Uh, widespread rapid testing. We'll give you half a point, Annie. Uh, beginning next year, the government is proposing tech companies like Netflix and Amazon charge what? Annie. GST. Yes. God, Annie's going to throw her shoulder out, Tonda. How much in total new spending did the liberals well, pitch trying. in their new climate plan? Yes, Tonda. Sorry, what was the question? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, $251 billion in direct spending. No, that was not the question. How much in total one. new spending climate did spending. the Liberals the pitch answer, in their climate the plan? Their new climate plan. Oh, the climate plan. Climate plan. Nobody? $15 billion? $15 billion. Plant some trees. It's $15 billion. $15 As part of the federal government's new climate plan, the federal carbon tax is expected to rise to what price by 2030? Uh, Steph Levitt. $170 a ton. Yes. What is the name of the new governor of the Bank of Canada? Molly. Tiff Macklin is right. Uh, what global position question. is the former finance minister Bill Morneau running to head right now? Annie. He's running for the Director General of the OECD or the Secretary of the OECD. Yes, yeah, Secretary General of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Uh, all right, uh, finally, let's get to the discussion. That was a pretty tough round. The, look, guys, the pandemic, as we all know, was a health crisis and an economic crisis. What will the big challenge on this be as the government's economic update promised another $100 billion over three years for vague promises, childcare, pharmacare? Um, Annie, I'll, I'll start with you on that. How, how tricky will deficits be for the, for the government in, in the future? Well, it's going to be absolutely huge. I mean, we, we saw some reports from the PBO saying that the government really needs to start thinking about how they're going to pay off um, all of the debt, that this is rising. And they said that, you know, Canada can't really handle much more and it's time the government sort of gets serious here. But they're in a very tough position because the Liberals say right now is when they need to spend money, they need to stimulate the economy. They also point out that interest rates are at a record low, which means it's easy to accumulate, it'll be easier to pay off down the road. And they say now is when the supports are needed to help the businesses. But the problem is we are looking at an election probably in the next year or so. And the Conservatives are really hammering the government, saying that they are spending recklessly, that they're spending too much money, and that this deficit is not sustainable. Yeah, but Molly, the Conservatives but also like, said... Go ahead, because yeah, like, go ahead. Uh, Steph, jump in and then I was Molly. Say, I think the bigger political problem really is the Conservatives, because what happens when Conservatives come to power, right? They love to hammer home that we're going to erase the deficit bottom line. But in this particular context, cutting government spending is not what Canadians are looking for. They don't want a big government 
cut spending exercise like was under the Harper government and the previous Harper government where millions of dollars, billions of dollars in government spending were slashed. So the Conservatives have a political question and the question is how hard are they going to be on the deficit? How much room are they willing to let it spool out? And I think an pertinent question that they have to be hammered on in the new year is okay, you want to bring the deficit down, then what are you going to cut? And you can bet that that is the argument the Liberals are going to take and hammer Aaron O'Toole over the head with because they'll just raise the specter that all of these benefits Canadians have come to rely on and things that they need to get their businesses off the ground, that they would just be slashed under the Tories. Yeah, and I talked to Aaron O'Toole about that very question uh, earlier uh, this month. Uh, Molly, go ahead. You know, I, I think the Liberals have to go away from emergency spending and figure out where that $100 billion stimulus is specifically going to go. Think about how are they going to revitalize the economy? How are you, uh, you know, putting money into businesses that are going to revitalize, innovate, change the way they operate in this new world? Um, figuring out ways to help specifically that because those are the people, uh, the small and medium-sized businesses across this country that are hiring people back. They're going to be the ones that will stimulate this economy. And so I think that needs to be a very, very clear plan on that moving forward to figure out how are we going to bring back these businesses, how are we going to get people back to work. That's, I think, the next part of, of the plan and with the challenge that's really ahead of them as so many people are have been reliant on these emergency lifelines. All right, now let's look at the scores, speaking of numbers, uh, after two rounds. Tonda, this is much tighter now. Tonda's got three, Steph's got five, Annie's got six and a half. Hmm. And Molly is still in the lead, barely now, with seven. Okay. We're tight. Don't worry, there's a round where everything counts for two points. Coming up, round three, we will focus on foreign affairs from the U.S. election, tensions with China. What did Canada do on the world stage? The great political quiz is back in a moment. Stay right here with Question Period. Welcome back to the Question Period. Great Canadian political quiz show where we put the smartest minds from Parliament Hill in a death match, metaphorically, of knowledge, brilliance, and useless trivia, all for this completely valueless trophy. Our contestants, Tony McCharles from The Star, Molly Thomas from CTV's W5, Annie Bergeron Oliver from CTV, she's now based in Washington temporarily, and the defending champ, the Canadian press's Stephanie Levitz. All right, welcome back everyone. Round three, uh, let's go to foreign affairs. Here we go. Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne made headlines in January when he shook hands with international political figure during a face-to-face -face meeting. It was controversial. Who was that person? Tonda. It was uh, Iran's foreign minister, Zarif. Yeah, Mohammad Javad Zarif, the good one. What was the name of the Iranian general killed by the American forces in Iraq that increased tensions? Steph Levitt. General Qasem. Yeah, Qasem Soleimani. I'm going to give it to you because you said Qasem. Soleimani, that's it. That's half okay. a point, half a point. I'll give you, I'll give you that one. All right. uh, when point. this couple briefly stayed in Canada, their security costs became a political issue for the government. Who was it? Molly. You can touch it. Of? Cambridge. Of what? Hey. No. Oh my gosh. I cannot give it. Harry. Yes, Steph Lovett. Megan and Harry. Harry and Megan. Harry Megan and Harry. Harry. Oh my God. Megan and Harry. Yes, Megan the Duke of Duchess of what, though? Tonda? Cambridge. No. Sussex. Sussex. Tonda. Cornwall. Tonda Sussex. will get half oh, yeah. a point. Steph will get half a point. Molly, I'm not giving you that one. You're the leader. You know what? I did all the royal stories, too. So that's <laughs> Which famous sports figure accompanied the Prime Minister on his trip to Ethiopia in February? Oh, oh. Molly. 
Masai Ujiri. Yes, the Toronto Raptors president, Masai Ujiri. To which countries did Canada lose its bid for a UN Security Council seat? Tonda. Norway. And? Ireland. Ireland. Norway and Ireland. There were Ireland. two seats, yes. Who's just yelled out Ireland? Norway, Norway and Ireland. Can you not hear me? Okay, we're going to give that to Tonda it. just okay. because I don't want to face the wrath of Tonda. Who is the current Canadian ambassador to the United Nations? Steph oh. Levitt. Bob Ray, Bob Ray, Bob Ray. Bob Ray. Bob hey, Ray. Hey, 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 Oh, my God, this is going to get I'm going to start shouting at the answers. I'm being ignored over here. Yeah, in okay, okay. This is not the only one This is not. I'm going to shout out the answers. Gosh, this is a U.S. election. What is the name of China's global operation which used undercover state officials to spy on Canada's Chinese community? What did they call it? Tonda McCharles. Operation Fox Hunt. Yes. A parliamentary subcommittee called China's treatment of what minority group a genocide? Steph Levitt. Uyghurs. 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 Yes. Sorry, guys. It's, I got to go with the first one. In August, President Donald Trump announced he was retaliating against Canada by doing what? Steph Levitz again. Tariffs on aluminum and steel. Yes, 10% tariffs. In the middle of the first wave of COVID-19, Donald Trump said the U.S. would pull its funding from what organization? Oh, oh. The World Health Organization. Okay. Uh, World Health I'm Organization. Here. Okay, Whoa. Steph was first. Go. Tonda it called it out. I'm going to give a half a point to Tonda because she I did get it right. I'm to call it out. And Steph is going to get a half a point. Am I a mask? No. Maybe my bell is muffled by a No, COVID no, bell. it's just you guys are so competitive. What are U.S. President, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's ties to Canada? I didn't give that to Annie Bergeron Oliver. Her Annie. mother worked here and she went to high school in Montreal. She went to high school in Montreal. She went to high school in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me, I'm going to give that to Annie Bergeron Oliver. It's out of control. Finally, it's out of control. Thank you. Uh, between the bizarre... credibility. Between the bizarre U.S. election, Donald Trump's bloviating eruptions that led to the tariffs that we talked about on steel and aluminum, and the ongoing tensions with China over Huawei, we should not forget the detention of two Michaels, still well over two years now, the allegation of spying. How did Canada do uh, on, on the world stage? I'm going to start with Tonda, because if I don't get to Tonda first, and then we'll go to Washington. Uh, Tonda, how would, you, how would you analyze how Canada did on the world stage, or the biggest foreign affairs issue uh, posed right now for Canada? You know, I think for Canada, it still remains China. Canada is still in, uh, cornered by both the U.S. and China and their ongoing dispute. And the fact that Meng Wanzhou, a Chinese executive, remains in a Canadian jail at the request of the U.S. remains the biggest impediment to any uh, trading relationship or solid economic relationship or foreign affairs relationship with China. And that only matters because there are two Canadians, and actually there are four others on death row, but two Canadians who've been arbitrarily detained and remain in a Chinese prison. So that has essentially colored everything. Um, it colors not just our relationship with China, it colors what Canada, how Canada is also dealing with the U.S. in some respects. So we're seeking help from the U.S., we're not getting it. Perhaps some of that will change with Biden. But I see that Canada's trying to lead an international coalition to back a united front against China is still a very huge challenge for this government. They want to continue yeah. trade ties. Nobody's talking about breaking off trade or economic ties with China because too many businesses and big sections of our economy rely on it. But the government really is struggling with how 
to create a path forward, to open up a path forward. You mentioned the U.S., and let's go to Washington with Annie. Annie, uh, talk about that, you know, the, the relationship we just have come through and, and Trump's kind of ending, and now the challenges with the Biden years ahead. Absolutely. Well, it's no surprise that we've had a bit of a tumultuous relationship with the United States over the last four years. That relationship seems to have kind of eased a little bit, but a big challenge, of course, for the Canadian government moving forward is going to be the border. That's going to be one of the biggest challenges I think that they face is when to open that border at the right time. The U.S. is ahead in vaccinations, but they also have, you know, 300,000 deaths now. They also have a much larger population and much different outbreaks in each state. So when does Canada open that? Will there be any type of disagreement? Will there be any bad blood if Canada wants to keep it closed? I think this relationship is going to get easier under the Biden administration than it would have been under Trump. And I think there's also a lot of hope that, as Tonda was talking about, that there might be some improvement and some movement in terms of China and helping the Michaels get out of jail. That, I think, should be a priority for the Canadian government, is trying to get those Canadians out. That's going to be a challenging relationship. And don't forget, we also still have the discussions about 5G and whether Huawei is allowed yeah. into that 5G network, which, of course, has implications with China as well. All right. Uh, yeah, there's massive challenges on that. And the pandemic's going to have, you know, a totally uh, recalibrating effect on international relations. Let me just look at the scores after round three. Um, okay, things have tightened up. Tonda now at seven, Annie at seven and a half, Molly drops to number two at eight, and Steph leapfrogs to the top with 10. Wow. We'll take a break. Uh, COVID dominated the news agenda. This score is a mess because everyone's yelling out answers, so they're metaphoric scores. But we had a lot of controversies and a lot of tragedies. Uh, we'll talk about those when we come back. Ethics, controversies, scandals, when we come back on the Question Period Great Canadian Quiz Show. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Question Period Great Political Quiz Show. Gathered here are four sharp minds, maybe the sharpest in the country, ready to suffer victory or national humiliation over this trivial knowledge and this inconsequential humiliation trophy. Humiliation would be it, We yes. love that. Yeah. Tana McCharles from the Toronto Star, Molly Thomas from CTV's W5, Annie Bergeron-Oliver from CTV, she's based in Washington currently, and the defending champ, the Canadian press's Stephanie Levitz. All right, round four, Hello. political events and scandals. Here we go. The anti-pipeline rail blockades were in support of the hereditary chiefs from which First Nation? Molly. Wet yes. I know Steph thinks you got it, but Molly did beat you to it. The name of the right. name the pipeline that was the center of the rail blockades. Annie. The Coastal Gaslink LNG pipeline. Wow, nice job. Yes. Former Conservative LNG, leader Andrew Scheer sparked controversy when he told anti-pipeline protesters to do what? Tonda. Check your privilege. Check, Check your, your privilege. privilege. What did Prime Minister Justin Trudeau do during the Black Lives Matter protest in Ottawa that surprised some people? Steph Levitt. He took a knee. He took a knee. At a press conference in the spring, Justin Trudeau paused for 21 seconds before answering a question about what? Oh, I asked Tonda McCharles. About Donald Trump's decision to send in the troops into the cities yes, on the George Floyd protests. Exactly. Uh, well done. Um, I asked that question. Man. The head of this organization yeah, okay. made headlines for struggling to define systemic racism in the wake of national and international protests for racial justice. Annie, you rang early. I'm going to give it to you. Finish the question, Annie. Go ahead, Annie. Sorry, it's Brenda Lucky, the head of the RCMP. Yes. Yes, I will give you that. But 
in the big of the in, in the lobster fishing dispute in Nova Scotia, what is the name of the 1999 Supreme Court decision that affirms the right of indigenous fishers to fish for a moderate livelihood? Tonema Charles. Marshall decision. The Marshall decision. The Marshall II decision. It was the second. The Liberal Marshall government decision. admitted it won't meet any key con can what key campaign promise regarding um, Indigenous Canadians. <laughs> Steph Levitt. Boil water advisory. Ending boil water advisories. Yes. Come on. Uh, all right. All right. The RCMP faced criticism uh, following the horrific gun massacre in Nova Scotia for not doing what early enough? Molly. Sending out like an early warning system? Using the public people? alert system, that's right. Uh, the Prime Minister was duped in a phone call with Russian pranksters pretending to be what young activist? Steph Levitt. Greta Thunberg. Yes. During his testimony before the House Finance Committee, former Finance Minister Bill Morneau revealed he repaid the WE charity for how much in expenses? Honda. No. He just he forty one thousand. He just wrote a check for forty one thousand. Forty one. It was actually uh, forty one thousand three hundred. He'd already paid fifty two. He'd already paid fifty two thousand, and then he wrote a check that day for forty one thousand. Uh, because he went to Ecuador on a trip what with his family. What senior member of the Prime Minister's <laughs> office made headlines for testifying before that House Finance Committee during the weed charity scandal uh, controversy? Annie, go ahead. Phil Morneau. No, Prime Minister's office. Staffer in the PMO. Oh. Katie Telford. Sorry, K Katie K Telford. I'll give it to you Katie because Telford. you're yelling it out after I was, you got I was it too wrong. distracted trying to get the bell. All <laughs> right, let, let me just Minus go to one. the discussion because the rigged. tension. The rigged. Uh, rigged. Here we go. Here we go. It's all, it's a I'm big thing. I'm going to go to Four Seasons Total <laughs> Landscaping and hold a press conference. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani <laughs> is going to be representing you in this. Look, uh, if there was yeah. no pandemic, maybe would the wheat controversy be the story of the year? Would it be the debate over gun control? Would it be the debate over the new price on carbon and the new climate plan that we've talked about? Uh, I'm going to start with Steph. What stood out as some of the other big issues that could be big issues if there is an election in the new year? Systemic racism has to be a story that we um, think carefully about and a narrative that we have to think carefully about. I mean, there's been some argument, you know, about one, for example, what COVID has shown us about systemic racism in the healthcare system. We saw the tragic death of a woman in a Quebec hospital, for example, um, you know, who was seeking treatment. And, and was racially taunted by healthcare professionals there. We saw how COVID impacted marginalized communities, temporary foreign workers, um, the most vulnerable indigenous communities. I think that, that piece of that puzzle was given new light during COVID, but it was simmering, it's been simmering for a long time. And you know, indigenous rights, reconciliation, that, that pipeline protest, I mean, it was really very much um, shall we say, moved into the shadows by the emergence of the COVID pandemic. But those issues are very real and they're very live, especially as we move forward with the development of natural resources. Molly. I think, uh, you know, Will Smith said it best. He said racism isn't getting worse, it's getting filmed. And I think technology allows us now to, to look around ourselves a little bit more and be outside of our own boxes and see what's actually happening in our communities. And it's easy to look at our neighbors to the south and think, Man, they have a lot of problems down there. But what, you know, the Ottawa protest around Black Lives Matter really told me, because I remember, I mean, Annie and I were in the office that day, and we were all talking, like, is there going to be 10 people? Is there going to be 50? Is there going to be hundreds? I mean, there were tens of thousands of people. There were so many that we were just 
running around in a frenzy trying to cover it. Um, and it, it's not just people of color, of visible minorities, of ethnic backgrounds, but there were so many uh, Caucasian people standing there as allies. And I think that's what this protest has really done around the world, where it's mobilized all different communities really standing up and saying there is a problem here. And yes, there is a problem in Canada and we have work to do. Yeah, and Tonda, you know, we haven't even really talked about the gun control legislation. We haven't even talked about the environmental uh, $15 billion plan and the, the, the price on carbon that is sure to be an, an issue as well if there's a spring election. I echo a lot of what the others have said to date. And if you take off the pandemic, I think what we saw in the fall and the spring leading into the pandemic in Canada were, were big economic questions and divisions in the country and uh, a rising sort of strength of Indigenous protesters, which basically before this pandemic had its own shutdown of the national rail lines in the country and a huge economic impact. So I think those are big questions that will need to be dealt with. Looking ahead, um, you know, the government now has the pandemic to perhaps put a lens on some of the inequalities and some of the big issues it, need, it wants to tackle, the environmental piece, their whole Build Back Better agenda. Um, but I think reconciling all of that with some of the divisions we've seen in this country emerge pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, and yet also we've seen some some unification of people. People want some of these inequalities addressed. Even the conservatives are saying, you know, inequalities need to be addressed. Working people need to be doing better. Working people aren't doing okay right now. Um, so I think going, looking ahead, it's that. It's that piece of how do you, how does the government of the day, whether it's a liberal government or a conservative government, address some of these big pieces, the, the indigenous racism in the country, the systemic racism that we see in institutions like the RCMP, and the big gaps between rich and yeah. poor in this country. I think that all parties are searching for ways to address those. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a real um, testament to the, the year, the flood the zone of news, where a finance minister basically is pushed out or resigned or leaves over the WE charity, and it's barely cracking it uh, as, a, as an issue right now. All okay. right, let's look at the scores after four rounds. Total <laughs> shift here. Molly, you're now in fourth with 10. Annie's no. in third, 10 and a half. Tonda's at 11, so it's super I've tight. I've made a recount. Steph is at 13. But don't worry, everyone. <laughs> the final round is rapid fire. The points are doubled, so there can be a total shift again. Who is the star, who uh -oh. is the dud of the last year politically? The Great Political Quiz returns. Stay right here with Question Period. Well, this is it. Welcome back to the final round of The Great Political Quiz Show. A speed round. All the points are doubled. One person will become the new champion, or maybe the current champion keeps the trophy. Tonda McCharles from The Star is here, Molly Thomas from CTV's W5, Annie Bergeron Oliver from CTV News, and uh, the Canadian press's Steph Levitz. Okay, everyone, are we ready for the final round? This is a rapid-fire round. Ready, ready. We're ready, okay. Please don't complain. I know that's useless. Leaders' elections, uh, we're going to talk about that. Let's start with health officials. Real quick, who is BC's provincial health officer? Annie. Bonnie Henry. Who is Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health? Molly. Dina Hinshaw. Dina Hinshaw. Dina Hinshaw. Dina Hinshaw. Who is Quebec's Director of Public Health? Steph. Horatio Arruda. Wait. Horatio Arruda. I'm giving that to Steph. Don't call it out. Who is the Deputy Chief Public, the Deputy Chief Public Health Officer of Canada? No, I'm going to give that. Okay, Annie was. Come on! 
Dr. Howard knew. Dr. Howard knew. Dr. Howard knew. No, Annie, you rang too early. I'm gonna. Everyone's gonna get a point. Everyone's going to get a point. Wait till it's finished. What provincial what provinces held elections during the COVID-19 pandemic? Molly. New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and BC. Yes. Bonus question, which province was the first to hold the election? New Annie. British Columbia. New Brunswick. New Brunswick. It goes to Tonda. <laughs> which provincial leader stepped down this year? Molly. Jacob Weaver. Stephen McNeil in Nova no, Scotia. No, oh, no, he hasn't stepped down yet. He's Stephen announced. Stephen McNeil. No, oh, he hasn't. He announced the step down. Come on. Who has actually stepped down? Andrew Weaver in British Columbia. Was he in New Brunswick? He, well, he was not a premier. I'm going to give this. I can't. Andrew Weaver, premier. British Columbia. Okay, we'll give you a half a point because he was part of a government, Andrew Weaver. It's Dwight Ball, the former premier of Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah right. The Green Party elected Annemie Andy Paul. Theory to replace Elizabeth May as leader. She has no seat in the House. Uh, which riding did she run in in the by-election? Toronto Centre. Toronto Centre. Your Centre. Your Centre. Toronto Centre. I was ringing the bell. All right. Okay. Who did she lose to? We're all ringing the bell. Who did she lose to? Marcy Ian, Marcy Ian, Marcy Ian, Marcy Ian, Marcy Ian. How many years was Elizabeth May the leader of the Green Party? Eight. Tonda. Twelve. No. Thirteen, 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 thirteen. 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 I'm going to give it to Tonda. It's thirteen. My gosh, you guys are... Um, how many ballots did it take Aaron O'Toole to win the Conservative leadership? Annie. Three. 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 Who finished... He won 19,000 votes. Who finished second, third, and fourth? I'm going to give this to Steph because she's just doing some dance with her bell. Just Steph. she covers the Conservative. <laughs> second place uh, was Peter McKay, then Leslie Lewis, Leslie and then Derek Sloan. Yes, okay. Those are double points. All right, uh, before oh. we... That's it. We're tallying the scores. Just put your bells down. What's the biggest political uh, story of the new year? The what will be the potential ballot box question if there is a spring election? Molly, what do you think? You know, I think it is um, young people looking for what actual changes are going to be around uh, the systemic racism conversation. I think they want to see actual, tangible changes. If you're looking for that young vote, I think uh, that's what my friends are talking about, and that's what people consistently say. Show me actual proof. Don't just kneel. Show me actual proof that something's changing. Annie Bergeron Oliver. I think it's going to be a lot on economic recovery. As we were talking about before, how do we transition out of this kind of emergency phase um, in the near future? I think there's a lot of businesses who feel that they've been let, left out, that the rent support didn't come early enough, that they weren't able to pay their bills and get through this. There's a lot of people who are upset with the lockdown. Some say that they didn't happen soon enough. Some say they weren't severe enough. I think there's also a lot of people whose family members are right now in long-term care, and they also feel let down by the federal government who feel that yeah. you know they didn't take enough leadership and so I think how the federal government responded previously and how they're going to help people sort of get out of this transition phase I think that will be a key ballot box issue because it affects people's pocketbooks and it affects their families yeah it's interesting sometimes wartime leaders you know classically don't necessarily become uh, recovery leaders what do you think uh, Steph Levitz yeah I think I mean the question you know longer term and I'm talking when I'm talking longer term I'm talking like 2022 probably is who at the end of the day bears responsibility for how Canada made it through this crisis and it's a complex question to answer because as we have learned, uh, this really is a multi-level government issue. 
And, you know, when, for example, the Ontario, the folks in Ontario have their next provincial election, what's that going to be? Is it going to be a referendum on Doug Ford? Absolutely. Um, and to what extent does he bear responsibility? What about Jason Kenney and what happened in his province? What about the Premier Legault in Quebec? And if you take that all together, where do people place the blame when it comes to the federal level? Are they going to literally blame Justin Trudeau for things that happened that in truth were somewhat beyond his control and not his responsibility? Or are they going to set that aside and be able to see the difference? We've had a year where federalism has been tested like never before. And the, the holding together of the federation, national unity, pipelines, indigenous protests, these are all big things. And the question perhaps then becomes at the ballot, what kind of country do you want going forward and who's the person you trust the most to get you there? All right, it is time finally to tally the scores. This is probably going to make the U.S. election look like a cakewalk because I know the complaints are going to happen, but let's do it. Here we go. The controversy begins. In fourth place, the great Molly Thomas was 16. No! Yes, oh, yes. Great, oh, great, great. In uh. third place, the former champion, Tonda McCharles was 17. Man, it's tight. <laughs> and that means it comes down to Annie versus Steph. In second place, with 18 and a half points, Annie Bergeron Oliver, which means the winner is Stephanie Levin. She retains the cup with 20 points. Look at the dance. Congratulations. Team effort, guys. It was a team effort. I expect your lawyers thank, to call thank you. us. Uh, Steph, we will disinfect the cup and we will send it to you. Uh, <laughs> to you four, your great sports, thanks so much for doing this. Just phenomenal uh, discussions. It's just a great pleasure to do it. Our four superb journalists. That is a hard thing to do, harder than you think, and thank all of you for watching. Just great job. Before we go, this is a political quiz show. We should mark the passing of the greatest political quiz master, the greatest quiz master ever, Alex Trebek. We lost a great Canadian this year. Mr. Trebek, we miss you. We will be back next week with another special edition of Question Period, the great political events of 2021. What events will shape the next political year? We'll look ahead to what you will likely see. Take care, be kind, stay safe, and we'll be back here in seven short days. Congratulations, everyone, and you can keep the bells.